0: presenting sponsor and the home of all of the official 30 nerdy swag is advertising expressions
1: juice what would superman be without the big s on his
0: shirt yeah 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 and what about iron man what what if he couldn't slap that stark industries logo on everything
1: you know clark and tony they probably go to advertising expressions like us for all their advertising needs and so should you
0: and when you need your own symbol, like for work, church, school, a, a team of super friends maybe, check out Advertising Expressions. They can help you get your name and logo in front of as many people as possible, as often as possible, or as long as possible.
1: That's right. So whether you're a billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, or faster than a speeding bullet, check out Advertising Expressions at advertising-expressions.com.
0: Or give them a call at 423 586 Three, two, seven, zero.
1: And tell them the Nerds at 30 and Nerdy podcast sent you. Live from the Fortress of Nerditude. It's the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, with your hosts, Josh Davis and Tyler McDaniel. 30 and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by Advertising Expressions, Tennessee Legend Distillery, Gatlinburg Brewing Company, and Encore Theatrical Company. 30 and Nerdy Podcast is a bad cast company production. A member of the Innered Circle and a survivor of the apocalypse. Find 30 and Nerdy Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. Learn more about 30 and Nerdy Podcast at 30andnerdypodcast.com. Got something to say? Email us at 30andnerdypod at gmail.com. Now, it's time. To nerd up or shut up. The nerds are here. What's up nerds and nerdettes? Welcome back to another week of 30 and Nerdy Podcast. Yay! I am your host, the Duke of Nerds, the Sweet Tea of the Nerdy South, Tyler Mack, and I am joined, of course, by my co-host, the juicy one, the PhD of Nerdology, the doctor of Nerdonomics, and the podfather of 30 and Nerdy, Josh Davis.
0: Hello, good sir. How are you, man? I'm doing great now that you're here. How are you doing?
1: I'm, I'm good. You know, it's, uh, it's been a long uh, couple of weeks. You know, we've talked a little bit about it in the last episode and yeah. uh, battling with like, I don't know drive yeah Wheel, yeah Uh, i think my headspace will clear a little more when i can walk without a boot i'm sure it will and i can go down steps a really nagging kind of thing it's It's annoying and it's super inconvenient. it's like i have depression because one wheel is flat yeah (laughs) uh is what it feels like yeah you know like i can walk decently normal in the boot, but it clunks. I I sound like Davy Jones walking around everywhere. (laughs) Matter of fact, at work they started calling me Davy Jones because they'd hear me clunk, clunk. They'd hear me come and I'd go, oh lord, here he is. How many
0: people did you walk up to and say, do you fear me? Do you fear me?
1: Also, uh, last weekend was the uh, Shades of the Past Rod Run and this weekend is the big one. The big final, the finale rod run, and oh, they're ending rod runs. Nah, just for the season. Oh, till spring rolls around. Till summer rolls around. I was about to around. do a little dance. I know. Uh, so the, the the five years that I lived there, and people would ask me about rod run, I was never able to put into words the genre of people <laughs> that come from far and wide to this thing. and block our intersections and, you know, don't go see shows. You know, actually destroy tourism for a tourist town because they're like McDonald's eaters and motel stayers and they just walk up and down the strip. They don't go to shows. They barely go to Walmart. They're not going to... I'm not trying to sound judgmental here, but it's going to come off extremely judgmental. It really is. So, finally, this past weekend, I didn't have to work Saturday or Sunday... Because I was at the Tennessee game. And Sunday I had off. So I just had to work that Friday. And Friday I get off early this week because we are going to Smackdown. Yeah. Uh, so today I finally put the embodiment of Rod runs. the genre of people. They are like the walking embodiment of lung cancer. Oh. Uh... <laughs> I did my research on Facebook and um, racism all rolled into harsh. one. I mean, it's very harsh. But I'm telling you, coming into work this morning, man, all I saw on the backs of vehicles coming into town, there was maybe one that wasn't riddled with rebel flags. And hashtag yeah. cult 45 is what I call it. Uh that's all I saw coming into work, and I was like, good Lord. Like, there's a reason that most of us, and it's not even a political thing.
0: This, that's the type of people. Uh, so people who, who are totally lost what we're talking about, just Google Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, <sighs> Rod Runs. It's quite a thing. And, you know, my
1: freshman year of college, senior year of high school, actually, my senior year of high school, uh, I drove up and attempted to go with some friends. To the ride run. I was going to experience it. Just for once in my life. Because I would heard my friends talk about ride runs. And I was like, well, this sounds cool. And uh, I got to, you remember the Jeep? Yeah. The Jeep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, this, I hadn't thought about that in years. Though. I know. The old Jeep Green Cherokee Shelby. Yeah. Um. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, I get to the, what's now the Amarillo Steakhouse. Used to be Logan's. Yep. And she starts overheating. That was the beginning of the end for my Jeep. So I now associate Rod Runs sitting in that traffic and my Jeep over overheating with Rod Run. And when I finally realized what it was, what Rod Run was, I was like, wait, 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 wait. So people just bring their old busted cars. I mean, they're pretty, if you're into that kind of stuff.
0: So not entirely And they busted. just sit. yeah.
1: On the strip. And just walk around. And you just walk around and look at them. That's it. And I was like,
0: that sounds dreadful. make a big ruckus about it.
1: You make a big ruckus. There's there's loud music playing. Loud. (laughs) Going up and down, whether it's big trucks or hot rods. I respect uh, people's um, choice to do so and freedom to do so. I respect that. I guess it's just not my cup of tea. So now every year... Even when I, even before I started working back in Sevierville, the years that I moved away, I would just hear Rod Run and I'd go, "Those, <laughs> just leviathan of society, just, oh, uh, they just, they walk around, they smoke their cigarettes and they drink their natty light and they're loud and block the intersection when people are trying to get to work, you know. And I'm just like, oh, Rod Run." Um, <laughs> And now, I really don't want to sound. We judgment. apologize to anyone who yes. likes to attend Rod. I know, I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, this, you know, don't, don't, don't at me. But I just, I, I can't, I can't find joy in it because anytime I have dealt with Rod Run, whether it was living there, working there now, or the time I attempted it, it's been a negative thing.
0: It's, a, it's, it's rough. I mean, the traffic. You sit there it's like. To drive a mile is going to take you probably an hour and a half. Oh, you remember it's when I lived... Really bad. when
1: I was When I was performing at Murder Mystery, I lived in that apartment on Pine Mountain. Yeah. Literally a five-minute drive to the theater.
0: Yeah.
1: Anytime there was a bun, five minutes turned into an hour. That's ridiculous. Yeah. To think that I lived basically across the street, half a mile off the strip on these apartments. The red light that I would take to get to, t- to Teaster took me an hour to get to. That's ridiculous. Like That's how it goes. It's just... It's insane. But then, you know... There are people like me who... Flock to home games on Saturdays. I mean, most of them are the same crowd. <laughs> but... That's true. You know, That's a fair point. Flock to Disney. The way that people flock to Disney. And I'm just like, you know, it's Disney. It's... I would enjoy... I enjoy theme parks. It's a theme park to them. You know, it's... It's that time of year that they get to come to Pigeon Forge and stop by the distillery and get their week's worth and and uh, just <laughs> sit in their lawn chairs on the strip <laughs> and look at
0: cars. Watch the people go by. Yeah,
1: and just people watch. Now, most of them, what Rod Run has turned into is somewhat of a rally, to be honest, in the last few yeah, years. Yeah, I've heard some talk. I've seen some things on the Turned internet. into really a rally. I heard there of. were a
0: lot of complaints about the... Um, activities of some of mm-hmm. the people out there and mm-hmm. behavior and such mm-hmm. so but anyway. so
1: please i mean i'm i'm not trying to disrespect the people who i i have my my qualms with it and i just sounded like a complete ass about it and <laughs> i understand that and if you enjoy going to rod run you know, cheers to you. Uh, I'm just not into it, but
0: I am like, hoping that most people listening is don't even know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. And most of our audience is probably like, Rod Run. Now they notice, stay away.
1: Yeah. Um, just It's the disrespect, I think. If I could put it in a word, there's a lot of disrespect the week of Rod Run. Yeah. To businesses, to the locals, and everything. Yeah. So that's how my week's been Bumfoot, Rod Run's in town, Undertaker lost the streak. <laughs> yeah. <You know, laughs> all those years ago car got
0: towed car got towed Uh, ran out of gas (laughs) it's really like this month is one of those times like it's like it feels like times of being super busy and then having nothing going on it's like Mm -hmm. ebb and flow with me right now yeah and like september is just jam-packed every weekend almost every day it's literally been every weekend i've had Mm -hmm. something going on every day so it's like I'm just barely finding time to breathe, and for, like we've had to put off getting together to yeah. to do the show a few times. So I'm glad that we're finally here, mm. and that we're. Moving it's your on. month. We're moving on. Yeah, this is Hobbit my month. my thing here. So we're we're talking today about the Hobbit: An Unexpected Journey. Yes, the first, the first of the trilogy of the Peter Jackson trilogy of mm-hmm. the Hobbit. And last week, of course, we talked about the animated version from 1977. Not our favorite thing in the world, but no. something that we agree that everyone who's yeah. a fan should experience. So if you haven't, check it out. And um, we
1: also had a live reaction to yeah. Spock's Ballad of Bilbo Baggins. It's true, it's true. Uh, when, uh, when I talked about the episode uh, at work, I said, "Brent, have you, uh, did you see the 1977 Hobbit? And he said, yeah. And I said, did you know there also exists a ballad of Bilbo Baggins? And he started singing it. He's Bilbo like, how did you not Baggins. know about that? I was like, I don't know. I've went my entire life without knowing it exists. I
0: only discovered it like a couple of years ago, actually. So, I've gone a long <laughs> time without hearing it, too. I go, have you ever heard of the Bill,
1: Ballad of Bilbo Baggins? He goes, Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins, the bravest hobbit in the world. I'm like, Brian, you knew about this? Said, yeah, man, it's Leonard Nimoy. Somebody should do an epic cover of it. Ah. Uh, and just do it even better. Kill switch engaged. <laughs> <do a> <laughs> System of a down. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I enjoyed last week's episode. Um, I'm, I'm excited to get into the live action aspect of it. Um, you know, we watched it uh, today before recording, mm-hmm. and I had recently taken Maddie through Middle Earth uh, this past summer. Uh, spring going into summer and so it was already fresh in my mind but getting to watch it again uh it reminded me how much i love the world of middle earth
0: Mm, and every time i watch it i'm just like this is why it's my favorite there's something just comforting about it it really is Uh, the music i I remember you know when i'm anytime i've been in a like a a play or musical Mm -hmm. or something like that and i've got like a really significant role when it comes down to you know right before the show opens, I get really anxious, I get really nervous, and I'm a perfectionist, you know, and so it's like, oh, I'm not ready, I don't know this, I don't know that, whatever. I always do that every time. And I remember that I was playing Sweeney Todd, and this was like my dream role, this was the most important thing in the world to me. The night before we opened the show, I came home and turned on The Hobbit, Mm. and it just calmed me down, Mm -hmm. and it just made me feel so much better.
1: Mm-hmm. We, uh, anytime I'm feeling excessively anxious or stressed while working on something uh, and I even passed it on to there's this woman at work who was getting a, a root canal and she was anxious and, and scared yeah. and all that and asking for prayers and music to amp her up and I was like well in all honesty uh, you don't need epic music you need soothing music and here's a list of songs and so I gave her, like, star Lovers from Star Wars. I gave her the Shire theme from Lord of the Rings. I gave her, mostly, uh, Howard Shore music. And I was mm-hmm. like, just listen to this. Make a playlist of it. It's soothing. And she did it, and when she was healed up and came back to work, she said, that music really helped me. What's it from? And I was like, uh, nerd culture. It's like some of the movies that I fell in love with.
0: Um, huh, Sounds like uh, that's a good topic for an episode in the future. It does sound like nerd a good topic. tunes. Yeah, hmm. it does.
1: We'll almost, write that. And uh-huh. We'll add it to the list.
0: Yeah, almost like it's it's not been on the list for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one day allegedly. Oh my destiny. <laughs> so speaking of lists, you've got this big long list for a long time now of nerd words. Mm-hmm. You've been doing this uh, weekly. It's one of my favorite things. It makes me laugh all the time. And you have informed me that, that you wanted to turn the reins over, at least just for this month, to me. Yes. And it's a lot of pressure, and I really feel the pressure. Okay, and and you know, I'm this week I did not invent a new one. Mm-hmm. That's sort of your thing, too. Maybe before it's over, I'll come up with one. But I'm just using some words that... I feel like just sort of go with the Hobbit in, okay. the, in, in this theme we have this month, like last week's confusticate. Confusticate, you know, meaning <laughs> like, "Darn you!" Yeah, confound it! Yeah, and so there's a an, there's another piece to that little curse that Bilbo uses uh, from time to time in mm. the books and the movies, and it's "Be bother." Be bother. That's right. the The uh, nerd word this week is be bother. "Be bother." This show is brought to you by Be bother. <laughs> Um, be bother is to bring trouble upon, as in, confusticate and be bother these dwarves. Oh, they're double e- curse. Double, they're they're eating all my food. They're tracking mud on the carpet. My mother's one hundred year old dishes, the doilies. Oh, that's a doily, not ah, a handkerchief. But bother these dwarves. It's got holes in it. It's true.
1: I like it. Be bother. Yes. and confisc- Be bother and confusticate these rod
0: runners. I'm- that's it. Perfect. That's how I'll say. it. That's it. Yes, I like it. Yeah, I like. I, I'm it. I'm not as good as you at this, but I'm gonna. I'm next week. It's on theme. Hey, it's that's 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 true. But next week, it's you just it's gonna blow you away. You do love a theme. I do love a mm. the theme, don't I? Though mm. that's so true. You we know do. me so well. I do. We've but, been hey. together for a while. We. So. <laughs> that's true. Statler and Waldorf. What's his name? Waldorf. Statler and Waldorf. Yeah, I yeah. always say that. Like we remind. Me of Statler, Statler and and, like fifty years from now, that's going to be us. That's going
1: to be us just going to plays and heckling people. <laughs> oh, <No!
0: laughs>
1: uh, anyway, what did you think? And what did you think about the death in the play? I wish it was me after seeing it. No, <laughs>
0: <laughs> a glimpse into the future. Those are those are the variant versions of yes, us. Yes, they are. That's those it. are variants. <laughs>
1: did that tell you about that? Uh, that theory. What if your dreams? Are you seeing your variance life? Oh, don't even talk about it. <laughs> oh, that'd be crazy, What if man? it is? Like, what if it is? You're seeing I mean. life through your variance eyes in your dreams. Shoot. If so, a variant lives a weird life.
0: We're the lucky ones here <laughs> in, this, in this reality.
1: <laughs> I have some nightmares, man, that I question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hear you. It's insane. Uh, I actually had a lucid nightmare the other day that uh, Maddie was in, Beth Ann was in, and Emma Andrews was in and like a few other theater folk. We were in the theater that's in Bioshock 1. <laughs> oh! But we were being chased by Jeepers Creepers. <laughs> so, And at one point Beth Ann looks at me and goes, you have to get us out of here. And I look at her and go, what do you think, expect me to do? I'm terrified. And she goes, you don't understand. You know you're dreaming. You're laying in your bed right now. And you can get us out of here. I go, what are you talking about? And Maddie's character goes, you know it's a dream, so get us out of here. Save us. And I just, in the nightmare, start shouting, wake up, Tyler, wake up, Tyler. And I finally, like, shake myself. And I look around the room, I'm like, what in God's name was that?
0: And you just <laughs> gave this away for free on the show when we could have used that in a movie or something one day. I could have. Man. Dang it.
1: It's
0: like All Inception, I ask for is,
1: if someone takes that idea... And use it as a, mo- as a movie. Sponsor the podcast when you make it rich and famous.
0: Won't you, though, please? Build us a studio. And get us a producer. <laughs> yeah,
1: get us a producer. Hire <laughs> a producer. Because we're overworked as it is. It's true. I, I like that nerd word, man. I'm, I'm excited. It-, it sticks with the theme. It gets me in the mood to talk The Hobbit, uh, which we will do uh, when we return from a quick break. We're going to listen to a word of our sponsors. Uh, this is a-, a brief little intermission. For you to, to while you're listening to it, go to the bathroom, um, get something to eat. Uh, maybe a pipe of old Toby, perhaps. Yes. Yes. yes Finest yes. weed in the South Farthing. So they say. That's a nerd word. Perhaps. What's a farthing? Farthing? A farthing, yes.
0: Uh, um, I assume it's a like a, a location. A region? A direction? Something like that. i have like to look that up. South Farthing. the South, South Farthing. South Hamlin County. Ooh, ooh, ooh! South of the South.
1: The Deep South. <laughs> the Deep South. <laughs> We're going to step away, take a quick break. More 30 Nerdy Podcasts when we return. Tennessee Legend Distillery was founded in 2015 and has quickly become one of the top distilleries for natural extracts and ingredients in its spirits. With no high fructose corn syrup, artificial sweeteners, or harmful ingredients, Tennessee Legend Distillery has four locations in the state of Tennessee with our Newport, Sevierville, Cookville, and Nashville distilleries. You see, at Tennessee Legend Distillery, we have spent more time focused on the quality of our spirits than the number of our stores. We have a great selection of non-flavored spirits as well, like vodka, bourbon, whiskey, and gin. Tennessee Legend Distillery has multiple awards and medals for state, national, and international spirit contests, and even carries 2019's best tasting whiskey in the state of Tennessee with our salted caramel, 60 proof whiskey. We offer discounts for veterans, active military, nurses, police officers, firefighters, first responders, and even multiple bottle discounts. Don't live in Tennessee? We ship to select states. Go to GACraftSpirits.com to see if we deliver to you. That's G-A-C-R-A-F-T-S-P-I-R-I-T-S dot com. If you stop by the Sevierville location, tell them 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you and be a legend. Tennessee Legend Distillery by receiving a free shot glass and 15% off of your order. What are you waiting for? Cheers to you. Welcome back, nerds and nerdettes, and we are journeying to the Shire once more, talking about The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, the first in Peter Jackson's franchise. His second trilogy about the first prequel book about Bilbo's adventure. Mm-hmm. Bilbo's adventure with the 13 dwarves of Erebor and some of their kin. Um, we went over their names last week and in those names we've got Fili and Kili who are the younger cousins of Thor and Oak and Shields, mm-hmm. The leader of the company who is the rightful heir to the throne of Erebor. We have Gimli's father, Gimli's cousin, that we'll hear about in Lord of the Rings. We hear Gimli, son of Gloin. And then we have my cousin, Balin, would give us a royal welcome. Mm-hmm. His brother, Dwalin. We get the the cliched fat joke of Bomber. And then we don't get a lot from the others, like Oin and... Bilfer and there is one and I can never remember which Bopher. one he is. Bofur's the one with the Bopher's hat, the, with the one wings who wings on it. Actually, loves Bilbo. Yeah, really
0: likes him. He's the one that uh, when they're about to get trapped by the goblins, yeah. he's like, oh, you, you know, you can go. It's fine. Yeah. I understand. Yeah, yeah, I like him too.
1: I like him. And you
0: said while we were watching, you, you said, there's not a lot of dwarves that I like. It's true. They're funny looking. You know, some of them just look ridiculous. But I understand the, yeah. the. Reasoning each for that. of them need they need a to be character. distinct, yeah, uh,
1: yeah, they're far more distinct in the live action exactly than they are in the anime, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and like we talked about last week, different audience, yeah, characteristic.
0: Isn't it interesting, too, though, that Feely and Keely don't have dwarvish features really, like no, in the face? They have human features, is it because they're so young, like they haven't grown into their noses and their whatevers yet? No, you think because because dwarves are. Couple hundred years old.
1: Kili, you would think is like related to Aragorn. Yes, I mean very it's... handsome
0: and rugged looking. Yeah, yeah.
1: uses a bow when mm-hmm. most dwarves don't. He's very ranger like. Well, you know, it could be. Aragorn was around at that point. Mm-hmm. He's like, I met this guy in the wilderness at named Strider. At this point, <laughs> he would be in his twenties. He'd be going by a different name. So maybe living no. in. Uh, I can't remember where he was living. He went by a nickname, too. A different name, other than Strider.
0: Uh, At that point, he would have probably been living in Rivendell. Yes. So, he's actually, he would have been too young. He would have been in his 20s during The Hobbit. Oh, yeah. So, scratch that. Because technically, in Lord of the Rings, he's 80. Exactly. 87.
1: 87. Mm -hmm. But he's of the Dunedines, so he looks young. So So, we're talking about The
0: Hobbit, the first movie. You've got some some stuff for us. Well, it was released on December 14th, 2012. Our return to Middle Earth. I Mm -hmm. remember being so, so excited for that day. So this is, let's see, Return of the King came out in 2003. Mm -hmm. So nine years after the fact. Uh, it had a budget of 200 to 315000000 million. I'm unsure whether that is for this specific installment or like for the whole trilogy. Surely it was more than that for the whole trilogy, right? Uh, but at the box office, this movie uh, racked up an astonishing $1 billion. Uh, yeah, a little over a billion dollars. I had forgotten that it did that well. So a billion dollars, anytime I hear billion dollars, I automatically think of Avengers Endgame, you yeah. know? Because I remember the point when they reached that, and it was like, yeah. wow, this is yeah. really something crazy. Uh, so that, that was sort of uh, interesting to to learn that or relearn that, whichever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they returned to New Zealand uh, to, to go back to the original location for the Shire and, and a lot of other places like that. But I learned that they also did a lot of things in London. You know, some of the older yeah. guys like Christopher Lee, um, Ian Holm, so Bilbo and Saruman, uh, they were not really quite up to the journey to New Zealand. It's a long, long journey. Um, you know, Christopher Lee was in his late 80s, early 90s when mm-hmm. this was filmed. So they did a lot of their stuff in London. They packed up parts of Bag End and yeah. shipped it to London for Ian Holm and, and Elijah Wood to do their stuff. Um. I was telling you before we started about how like after all these years of Lord of the Rings and it being like my top echelon of of nerddoms mm-hmm. fandoms um I know so much about the Lord of the Rings and the behind the scenes stuff of Lord of the Rings as a lot of people do but with The Hobbit not as much mm-hmm. because I wasn't as closely attached to this trilogy um I'm older and busier now so I don't have time to Watch the movie with the director commentary yeah. and the actor commentary yeah. and all the documentaries and stuff that they include with it. But this week I did watch a little bit. They, If you buy the extended versions of the movies, which I of course did, they include uh, two extra discs which are like the appendices like okay. the making of and yeah. stuff. And it's literally like the disc that's in my Xbox right now is like four hours worth of stuff. Whew. So I probably watched like an hour and a half worth of it. Okay. And learned a lot. So as we go through, I'll I'll tell you what I know. Awesome. Um, so we open like
1: when I first saw it, I thought it was an odd opening for them to show us the night of the party because technically this is the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring that we're seeing. Right. Uh, it's Bilbo starting to write his his book. Mm-hmm. and it's the day of the party, and Frodo's there, and even in his voice, you can tell that Elijah's quite older mm-hmm. already.
0: I hear and, that Elijah Wood's a, a heavy smoker, mm-hmm. so that plays a role in that too, I'm yeah. sure.
1: Yeah, and you can see
0: the age in him.
1: I mean, he oh, was, because yeah. he passed, what, 2018?
0: Uh, something 2019? like that. It was something pretty like recent. Yeah. Um, I think he passed before Christopher Lee did. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, so, they they kick it off like that. He's getting ready for the party. People have sent RSVPs about the party, except for the Sackville Baggins, which is a running joke hmm. in the land of Middle-earth, at least in the Shire, about the Sackville Baggins. They feel that they should be the head of the family, and Baggins should be theirs, mm-hmm. and they're kind of crooks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they steal from him sometimes. He even caught Lavilia making off with his silver f- forks And stuff like that. So, it opens that way. Before we meet Gandalf in the Fellowship. Because in the Fellowship, we open with Frodo. Well, we open with a battle. But when we get to the Shire, we open with Frodo reading by a tree. Going to greet Gandalf. This opens before that. I thought it was interesting to do that. For two reasons. One, you brought back people who we now know are far older than they were when they initially played them. And
0: Ian McKellen didn't seem to age much. Mm-mm.
1: He doesn't age like a normal human being. He hasn't. Not much. He really hasn't.
0: Not much. I
1: mean, I saw uh, an interview with him recently. He's he's kind of heading up this uh, Tolkien House uh, fundraiser that we at the podcast supported, and they're trying to preserve Tolkien's house mm-hmm. and make it into a grand library. Yep. And he's kind of spearheading this thing. And I watched an interview with him
0: on the website's page and I was like, He
1: looks the same. He does. As he did as magneto I or will Gandalf. Say, when
0: I when I met him he does seem much smaller mm-hmm. and a little more frail in person, but this was like seven or eight years ago yeah. in itself. Um and I had the same thought when I saw Stan Lee like in person, he uh, didn't he didn't look as you know they I think they did a lot of work on him for the movie Cameos and stuff, yeah. Wow. Yeah. But anyway, <clears throat> we're getting sidetracked yes.
1: here. So we're opening the Shire, and it's the day of the party, and he's voicing over, and he's writing, starting his book, and it flashes back to young Bilbo, played by the the incomparable uh, Martin Freeman, mm-hmm. who we've also seen join the MCU <laughs> Yeah. since then. Uh, and uh, we met him first in Civil War, correct? S- yeah, Black Yeah. so.
0: And was he in Civil War? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah,
1: he was there. And then we see him in Black Panther. He's supposed to be making a return to Black Panther 2.
0: Um, was he in Falcon and Winter Soldier? Mm-mm. I just have... Uh, I don't remember a lot of that stuff. Yeah. yeah, okay, I know he was in Black Panther for sure. Yeah. I know, I remember that vividly.
1: And he's supposed to be making a return to Wakanda forever, so it'll be cool to see him right. in, in that. But he plays a really good young Bilbo. Mm-hmm. There are... You get He plays it well to where you see Bilbo before he becomes the Bilbo we know. Mm-hmm. He's a little more antsy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like adventures. He's, you know, going to market to buy his dinner. He's got a pantry full of food. He's, you know, living on Bag End.
0: He, poor Bilbo is just riddled with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Especially when Gandalf shows up and he's like, Okay, well, uh, let's have an adventure. We're going to do whatever. And he's like, Why did he come to me? <laughs> what has happened? What's going on here? And sort of shakes him a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Then he's kind of going about his day. He maybe forgets about that a little bit. He cooks this fish. It looked disgusting. Whole, whole Sprinkles fish. Sprinkles his lemon on it about that time. There's the door. Yeah. And the look on his face. Like, I understand that look so well. Like, really? A visitor? I didn't invite anyone over. <laughs> and then it begins. Yes. So our first one's Dwalin. hmm Followed by Balin. Mm-hmm. Then Feely and Keely, mm-hmm. and then pretty much all the rest of them yeah. just fall through the door. Yes. And interrupt him. Mm-hmm. And he has an unexpected party.
1: All he wanted was to eat his dinner in silence. Yeah. And these these, initially 12 um, ruckus dwarves eat him out of house and home, literally. Yeah. Until Thorin shows up, of course. So we have 13 dwarves, and they're all at his house. And we get, before Thorin even shows up, we get this cool little singy-songy number of how they're doing the dishes. Because he's like, you know, don't do that to the forks, you'll blunt them. And he's like, oh, did you hear that? We'll blunt the knives. They sing this whole song about cleaning up and what Bilbo Baggins hates. And I think it's fun. I think it. I think the movie, kind of like you talk about with the animated, they, they took the time to throw in some music, some songs. Because these dwarves did sing.
0: Yes. The, all the actors who play dwarves went to a dwarf camp, mm-hmm. which was in New Zealand. Like They did this for like three months. And so the whole purpose of it was, one, for them to bond as, mm-hmm. as a group, which they did. Um, they had, uh, obviously, physical training, combat training. Uh, they had uh, some work on movement, like how to walk like a dwarf. They did singing lessons, they did music and stuff, and they had horse riding lessons, and archery, and obstacle courses, nice. and all this stuff. And uh, Martin Freeman and Bilbo actually did join them a couple weeks into the process. He, he was a part of it as well.
1: That so, would be fun. So yeah, they had,
0: that was actually them doing the singing. That would be fun. Songs. I think so.
1: To go to a dwarf camp and learn how to be a Lord of the Rings dwarf
0: for three months. Some of them had a great time, and some of them, you could tell, were miserable. But they, of course, enjoyed the, the social aspect of it. So, yeah, three months to
1: learn well, how to it did Well, it did good for them.
0: Yeah, they it worked they out.
1: They learned the character, they sold the character. And kind of like we talked about, they each, I would imagine this happened at their camp for three months, they found characteristics about their individual character, not just the certain prosthetics, not just certain look. But all 13 of them walk different. They all fight differently. And that's, that's a character thing mm-hmm. that I would assume they worked with. Yeah. They'd be like, well, Dwalin's a little bit more savage in fighting.
0: He's the powerhouse. Ballin's
1: more coordinated. He's older, more wise, mm-hmm. and he's more like strategic, like strike when I need to. Other than that, just kind of look around and read the field. And then, you know, Philly and Killy are quick, yeah. agile. And the others I couldn't tell you about. I know one has a slingshot. That would be Ori. Ori, mm-hmm. who the one who says, uh, uh, I'm not afraid. What's the line?
0: Oh. I'll give him a taste of dwarfish iron right up his jackseat. Right up his jackseat. And he's the one that says, uh, Excuse me, but I don't know what to do with my plate. <laughs> so that's one of them that I've met. That's Adam Brown. Mm-hmm. I met him at Dragon Con. I don't have much memory of it, except I showed him my Gandalf tattoo and said I was a big fan of the the whole franchise, and he was very friendly, and that was really it. Uh, he signed uh, just a picture, mm-hmm. and on that same picture, a um, couple of the other dwarves are on there, and so that was the same time I met Jed Brophy, mm-hmm. and he plays Nori, so Nori and Ori, brothers, so they both signed this picture of them at the at the party. Um, now Jed Brophy was also, we spoke about this last week, and mm-hmm. I, I looked this up, he played one of the Nazgul, just one of the random black riders. Sharcoon the Orc, which I believe is the uh, what about their legs? They don't need those. <clears throat> he was the Warg Rider that laughed about Aragorn falling <laughs> off the cliff, and he was a Rohan Rider. Oh, so he was very, very heavily involved in, very the, involved in the first in the world of Middle Earth movies. Wow. Yeah, I think he's just a good friend of Peter Jackson's because he also had a a role in Peter Jackson's King Kong too. So, son of a gun.
1: Yeah, he was on the ship. I guess he yeah, was. Yeah, he was on the boat. He was just a random. Yeah, I know he it died. Was a Huge role. He was killed in either the cave or I can't remember along along with just Andy Serkis. I remember circus. a lot of
0: people died in the bugs, like yeah. the big bugs ate them. Yeah, especially That's Andy Serkis. Gollum
1: though. got his head bit off.
0: Yeah, it was like a big worm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I met those two dwarves. Uh, of course, I've I've met Sir Ian mm-hmm. infamously. And then I met one other person in the cast. Um, It was Mr. Manu Bennett playing Azog. Yes, the Defiler. Um, And Azog is from the book. He's mentioned very briefly, but he is not like a recurring villain throughout Mm. the book. He's just mentioned like one time. In the story. Yeah, like Gandalf says something about like Thorin's dad had a battle with him or something. Which they then turn into this whole extra thing. Which, if you're making three movies out of a hundred and seventy something pages, you got to stretch. You got you to take some liberties here yeah. and there. Um, so they definitely did that. Cool.
1: Um, what was what was it like meeting Mono? Because oh. you said you would expand on it a little bit. Because I know him most not just as Azog, but he's Deathstroke in Arrowverse. Mm-hmm. I thought he, he was a fantastic Deathstroke.
0: Um, he was perfectly polite and friendly, but. I, and I'm sure he's a nice guy. But I just remember walking away feeling like, this dude's really full of himself. Mm. He just came across really, like he was, I, I, I had asked him a question about the doing the language and the, and the voice. And he gave me, you know, this big, long, great answer. But he was like trying to show me how he would do it. And I can't remember some of the things he said. Uh, I'm not doing a good job telling this story, but I remember Becky and I because Becky was with me. We walked away like, man, like he just went he on and his on. Own yeah, that's kind of how it came across. Yeah. Um, and other thing I remember about it was like for some reason with his autographs, like you pay whatever to get the autograph, typically, and it's they sign just whatever, and they personalize it if you want or they don't. But his was specifically like if I sign it and personalize it, it's this price. But if you want it signed. Without me personalizing it, personalizing it, it's way more. Because typically when people have people sign stuff and they don't have it made out to them, Resale they would sell be it, more. right? Yeah. So it's like he's trying to get his cut of that or something like that. Gotcha. And that seems just silly to me. I'm sorry, extra. dude. I, I don't want to give you my 20 bucks profit I made off of this signed yeah. toy. So I had a, the, I have an Azog action figure uh, that I, I took to get signed. I did not want my name on it, so I just didn't say anything. Yeah. And I paid the cheaper price, and when I got to him, he specifically asked me, what's your name? Mm. And I didn't tell him until he asked, so then he wrote it on the on yeah. thing. So maybe that's why I have such a negative uh, memory of him, Yeah. but I swear I feel like he was just really like... Bringing it home. <laughs> Ragadocious just yeah. like yes I have a great voice and we used it for the play yeah. character do yeah
1: okay I mean that's cool but I mean you still got to beat him <laughs> that's I a did. story you have I did that's true uh, I, I have to say it's, it's one thing I'm very green of when it comes to you is especially when you were teaching at MetaView and you had all most of your meetings and autographs like on your board Oh, yeah, so you yeah, had yeah, that yeah. little corner of yep. everyone you've met at Comic Cons uh-huh. and autographs. My so. Hall of Fame. Or Anytime whatever. I'd see it, I'd just be like, God, and I'd be like, Oh, because he goes. Yeah, Tyler, just go, yeah. just go, I've do gone, stuff.
0: I went all the way to Columbus, Ohio, just to meet Paige. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, if you're willing to put the time and the the money, if you got it into it, you can do a lot of things. Yeah, it's true. Those days are probably over for me, <laughs> <laughs> but you know. So.
1: After the song and all that, we get another song, the Ballad of the Misty Mountains, mm-hmm. or whatever, and that's what most everybody knows from this movie, is all of them singing that deep, beautiful, somber song about the Misty Mountains. Right. You know, far over. And, uh, which they all sang, as you said. Yep. They all did the singing. Uh, and then, you know, it's kind of like, I can't do this, Bill was Like, I'm not who you need me to be, I'm not who you want me to be. Uh, cause especially after he hears dragon, wait, what beast? And he hears about Smaug. Oh
0: that yeah. That, scares and Bofor's him even like, more. oh yeah, this is like a flash of light and you're burned to ashes in seconds. No yeah, big deal. It's no big deal. That's like, they're really not doing a good job of, mm. of selling him on going on this trip. Yeah. They're just like, oh, you look like a grocer, not yeah. a burglar. <laughs> and you're out of place here, son. And we don't, oh, the to. dragon will probably tear you limb from limb and just, you know, burn you up. Oh, great. Okay, let's go, guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, we need you. Could
1: you do it? Yeah. Please? <laughs> after sa- after all that, we'd still like for you to join us. So, naturally, as any pers- smart person would, be like, Nope, sorry, can't go. I can't sign this contract. And then he wakes up, and they're all gone. And we we had a discussion, you know, you were being a little facetious, and you said, like, you know, I don't think if they crap talked him all that much, he wouldn't have gone. And I said, Nah, he'd have gone because Gandalf says something to him about, you know, your great uncle was the biggest ho- Hobbit on record, and he helped win the war of the Greenlands. And and your Belladonna Took son, good lord! I mean, you know, I remember a child, which that was the first thing where I was like, This is extended, because mm-hmm. I'd never seen extended. I'd only seen theatrical. And they did this whole little flashback. Baby Bilbo. With baby
0: young Bilbo. They befriending Gandalf. Talk about Gandalf and his big spectacular fireworks. That's yeah. what he's known for among those people. Mm-hmm. And um, that was Bilbo's uh, as a child running mm-hmm. up to Gandalf and trying to kind of play with him. And yeah. Him while he was shooting off that the That was money. when
1: they first met. And they talk about this friendship they had when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I was like, this is extended. I haven't seen this. This is cool. Right. They should have kept this in. Because it really went far of saying, like, he's known Gandalf for far longer than when he first showed up on his doorstep. Right. He he was loved him as a kid.
0: And, you know, he he does have that Took side of mm-hmm. him, uh, which the book refers to a lot. So the Tooks are known as, like, the more outgoing, sort mm-hmm. of wild, you know, we're up for anything kind of people. Like Pettigrew. And um, he talks a lot about, oh, his Took side came out. Mm-hmm. So that's when he decided, I'm going to be a little more brave and, and, and whatnot. So, um, that's, that's where a lot of it comes from. But yeah, it, it just, to me, it's like, oh, you know, this, this isn't going to, it's like reverse psychology. Yeah. Like, uh, you're, you're not cut out for this. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'll show you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, going on an adventure. And Gandalf even says, like, I don't know if it's because Gandalf is this magical, mystical, you know, creature in the form of an old man, mm. uh, or whatever, and he has uh, that wisdom that he has, like he knows he understands destiny or something like mm-hmm. that. It's like, there's more to Bilbo than, you know, and then, and, and what he knows. Um, he got so pissed off when they were like, Oh, you know, he's not coming. And he did the whole thing where the shadow comes about. Mm-hmm. Him. If I say he's a burglar, it's like Gandalf knows he can't quite put his finger on it, but there's something special about Bilbo. Bilbo's the one that has to go on this journey. It's of vital importance that he goes and we don't know yet. We 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 assume
1: if if you haven't seen Lord of the Rings, if you're watching this in order and you haven't read the books, uh you assume that he has to help them sneak past Smaug. But that's not it. That's not why he's it's his destiny to right. go. That's not the big thing that Bilbo does. And we'll get to that. We will. We'll get to that. So He's joined up with this party of dwarves, and they go, and they're just trekking across the land just like the Fellowship did. It really made me remember, I remember watching this in the theater and being like, I've forgotten how beautiful New Zealand is. I want to go so bad.
0: Me too. That's my dream trip, mm-hmm. to go to New Zealand and take the trek. go on all the tours, mm-hmm. go to Mordor and all that stuff. That would be so cool. Man. I've looked into it, dude. It's expensive. Holy moly. Yeah. You know? If it's I had, a long flight too. Well, I I could endure that for what's on the other side of it. But yeah. um oh yeah. I don't know that it'll happen in this lifetime. Maybe, Maybe the not. next. Maybe the next. Yeah.
1: Well, I told you uh when he said it, uh it's my favorite quote of Unexpected Journey, is when Gandalf said, The world is not in your books and your maps, it's out there. And I know it's so early in the movie and so early in the franchise to say that's one of my top favorite lines out of the entire first movie. But there's just something every time I hear it, I'm like,
0: he's right. Makes you want to get up and yes, go it makes me want to get adventure. up and
1: go on an adventure. It's out there. I should I'm stop reading about adventure. it and go. But, you know, one day I'll get up and go see New Zealand maybe or go try to Save the Ark and Stone from a dragon. A
0: great time to announce our Kickstarter campaign here at Thirty and <laughs> yeah. Nerdy. Send yeah. the boys to New Zealand. <laughs> we want to do an episode in New Zealand. Heck, we may not even come back. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. It's, yeah, probably have to drag me back. Mm. I want to stay with the Hobbits. <laughs> I want to become a Hobbit. Did I you know that? Live off the land. Uh, bag end is like an official landmark in New Zealand. They made the house uh, like a permanent. Thing there can you stay? You, I don't think you can stay, but you can visit. Wow. I know people who have pictures of standing outside Bilbo's door. Wow! Like they put, uh, I guess it's like metal or something on it to make it permanent. Oh, that's as cool. they should have.
1: That's so cool. I think everything that they built and made that was uh, natural, they should have kept everything that was natural and just been like, "This is." You can take the trip. You know, I mean, it's a long journey. From some locations to another. But that would be just a. Ugh. The money they could make with tourism alone.
0: It would be nice if those places were real that like mm. you could visit. Like Rivendell would be oh. so nice. To, and like in the book, they spend like two or three months just chilling there before they continue their journey. Yeah. Like I can see why. I would too. It's pretty nice. The food, the, the view, the peace. That you would get. That nice waterfall.
1: Mm hmm. Just beautiful.
0: Yeah. A nice little place out uh, on a hill to, to read runes in the moonlight.
1: Now I really want to go to Rivendell. <laughs> <laughs> so, our first stop is we stop at this. Patrol uh, Shaws, right? This broken down farm. And Gandalf kind of feels the ground, and he's like a farmer, and his family used to live here. Something dark, something terrible happened, and they camp there. And him and Thorin get in their first argument, and he leaves. He just walks away. It's like I need some time alone. And then we flash to dark, and it's dark, and and they're they're sitting by the campfire, and they're they're eating, and we hear orcs. Screaming in the distance, squealing, whatever they do. And uh, Philly and Killy make a little joke trying to scare Bilbo and it pisses Thorin off. And then we get the flashback story of the war with Azog, the first war. And it was basically Thorin and his company and all these dwarf armies of the Iron Hills and all that taking back Moria. Mm -hmm. And if you've already seen the Fellowship and, and that first trilogy like we did, you know Moria. Moria is where we go under in the first movie. You know, they go through the mines of Moria. And so we get in this battle. We see the death of his grandfather. Beheaded. King, beheaded by Azog. And then there's a pretty sick fight between Thorne and Azog where he gets his... His,
0: his namesake.
1: Namesake, Oakenshield. Yeah. He, his, his shield is shattered by Azog. His sword is knocked out of his hand, and he picks up this strong, broken piece of oak. And he starts to use that as a shield. And Azog can't break it. And he ends up cutting Azog's right arm off. And they all flee. And they wind up taking Moria back and winning that war.
0: And Thorin made one of those rookie mistakes where... You see, the bad guy gets injured, and they get dragged away, or they fall off a cliff. I say with air quotes, mm. people who can't see me right now. Uh, Until you see him dead, it ain't
1: over. Something that Thanos taught us all is: you should have went for the head.
0: Exactly, mm.
1: Thorne. Rookie mistake. And now we, now we all know. Because technically, in dwarf terms, who's a kid then? I mean, he was still what they would consider a kid, because <clears throat> they known. live, they live. For a long time, a hundred too.
0: at least a couple hundred years yeah. or so. Yeah.
1: So to them, he was he was a kid. It was a rookie mistake.
0: Yeah, like in the book, Thorne says something about, "Oh, uh, I haven't read this or seen this in a hundred years or mm-hmm. something like that." He makes a reference to being that old. Yeah. So obviously, uh, the Peter Jackson Thorne is not no. as old as the rest. It is Richard Armitage. Yes.
1: Who I have just gone above and beyond bragging to you multiple times how good of a voice of Wolverine he has. In the Wolverine podcast that Marvel does. He's Wolverine. He's it's just I know I, I know,
0: I know. I just can't they can't keep my attention for some reason. Yeah. I just drift off. I'm sure it's great, but it's, oh, it's just, fantastic. I don't think it's gonna work for me.
1: Well, I mean it's it's something that I even had to realize, like I'll start I'll listen to an episode while like, yeah, I mowing.
0: Like I wouldn't. don't just
1: sit and I didn't just sit like in the room
0: alone listening to to this sit and stare at the wall and listen to this podcast
1: (laughs) do it right now i I didn't do that i'd do it like while jogging or mowing or before i go to bed (laughs) so i like I, i now realize that the way i talked it up so much in season one is like people probably figured i was just sitting there just on the couch staring and just listening to this wolverine story podcast just yeah 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 yeah. oh that's cool that's cool that's cool someone walking by would be like weirdo who's he talking to but it's 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 good it's good richard armitage aside from my dream cast of ty Olson, would make a good live action maybe if
0: i take like three or four adderall (laughs) then i can listen to it and understand what's happening maybe i would i would come back and tell you every detail of that of that story did you hear the twig break in the second chapter Forty-three no. minutes and twelve seconds. turning
1: into me with Supernatural. Yeah,
0: Adderall can do that. That's for what
1: you. I. That's what that's that's the spoiler. That's the secret. I've been on Adderall this entire time and didn't tell anyone. I only take Adderall when I watch Supernatural.
0: He's <laughs> 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 is gonna make a great story one oh, day on a podcast. Maybe that's what I should do too.
1: <laughs> it helps. <laughs> so we uh, were Gandalf's gone there at night and. He's, he's, they're cooking food. Bombers the cook. Fat joke. You've had enough already. Mm. Uh, which is, I think, makes him your least favorite because he's literally just Bomber. there. He's he literally speak. just the
0: fat joke. He's just I can't joke. recall a single time that he says uh, even one line in the whole
1: trilogy. I think the, during the first fight with the trolls, all you hear is,
0: ooh, ooh. And like, how many times do they do something where, like, he falls on everybody. He's the bowling like, ball, oh, or he falls. The heaviest one falls on us. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's not my. It's not the best moment out of that franchise. It's, I'm like, okay. The fat jokes are like going back and watching with Maddie. I was like, okay, that's it's a lot. It,
0: you know, like just in this one alone, it. like, um, he falls. He's the one that falls on everybody when they come through the door, mm-hmm. and then when they're escaping the goblins, and they fall down on the little bridge or they they stop like an then, indiana jones boulder and then he falls on top of them yeah Everyone's like oh you gotta be joking me
1: yeah and then when the trolls they're fighting the trolls they just drop him on everybody and it kind of like bowling pins yeah I'm like okay like even in this movie it's we got it the first couple of times but a whole franchise of fat it's jokes whole purpose yeah and it's just it, it sucks i really feel like talking didn't mean for him to be a fat joke
0: he does reference it a lot in the book. I will say, Bamber... Uh, Bamber. <laughs> <laughs> he references it a lot in the book. He's like, uh, yeah, Bamber, who is the fattest one of all. And even he one time says, oh, I'm too fat. I can't do that. So it comes up a lot, I will say, yeah. in in Peter Jackson's defense. Yeah. But all it right. just felt like slapstick humor. And yes. I feel like that doesn't belong in middle earth no. some reason. maybe i'm just a comedy snob when it comes to possibly uh, to middle earth maybe you know. you're a little protective maybe a little protective of middle earth. i don't know i as much as i love lord of the rings like a whole i can't hold this up even with it no know? the whole trilogy it's great it's no, great it's great and maybe i just that. haven't watched it enough to have that same fondness for it but i don't know there's some some of the magic just isn't isn't there for me for some reason. No, I understand. And I just can't put my... Do you feel that way too? Yeah, it's like, absolutely. I can't put my finger on what it is. I know that originally I felt like it was the fact that there was a lot more usage of CG. Yes. And I felt like that... Less practical things. ...that took away. Um, so, I don't know. Anyway, we, we are going on a lot of sidetracks today. About I, know.
1: Stuff. I know, but in Middle Earth there's a lot of sidetracks. We just um, excited about it. A lot of trails. So, so yeah, with the get, trolls. Yeah.
0: Uh, Burt. Bill and Tom?
1: Bill and Tom. Yeah. Yes. And they take the ponies, four ponies, take four of their ponies, and they're going to eat them. And Philly and and Bilbo kind of come upon them, and they see what's going on, and they try to get Bilbo to to save the horses. (laughs) Ride a cowboy. (laughs) And uh, he gets caught, and they're thinking about, you know, what is this? Because... Kind of like what Gandalf hints to about Smaug, many of, much of Middle-earth knows nothing of hobbits.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Much of Middle-earth doesn't, because they just stay in their shire, and they don't really get out much. So they see this thing that they don't know what it is, and he goes, I'm a, burglar, uh, a hobbit. Burglar-hobbit? What's a
0: burglar-hobbit?
1: And are, if I'm correct, these three voices, aren't they just dwarves?
0: Three of the dwarves. Yes. Um, Glowin is one, and I'm sorry, I don't know which one's which. Uh, Biffer is one. Mm-hmm. Biffer's the one that has the axe stuck in his head. Yes. That speaks in gibberish. Yes. And then Dory is the other one, and Dory's the one, I think he's the, the one that's sneezing, oh, look at la- coming out of the lazy eye. Her. Yeah. And he's the one who says, oh, oh I was quoting it earlier about, yeah. uh, about the dragons. He's like, oh, go on, give us a number. Yeah. How many dragons have you killed? So, I think those three. Okay,
1: cool. So, funny scene, and we knew this scene had to happen for continuity's sake. And I even went back, and I'm pretty sure that Peter Jackson did a really good job with the continuity as they froze in the same position that we see them in the Fellowship movie. Yeah, one of them had, like, the finger pointing down. Yeah, and the other one's kind of cocked like this. Yeah, Yeah. so, bravo to him, because these days... Continuity, I feel like nobody's hiring good continuity people in a lot of things, These franchises at least, these mm-hmm. days.
0: Now, MCU, whoever their continuity people are, good I'm stuff. I'm so glad that Peter Jackson is the one who did it, because originally it was not going to be Peter Jackson. Mm-hmm. He was not at the head of this.
1: And originally New Line didn't do it.
0: It was uh, Guillermo del Toro, mm-hmm. and he he was there, he was working on it. He did contribute to the screenplay, I believe. The guy who gave us Pan's Labyrinth. Yes. Um, Peter Jackson was all about him doing it. He had to drop out at the last minute. No ill will. It was, you know, whatever reason it was, but it wasn't anything bad. And so finally Peter was like, all right, let's just move forward with this, and Mm -hmm. I'll do it. Because I feel like it wouldn't have been the same. And even though I just five minutes ago talked about, oh, the magic isn't the same for me for some reason.
1: It quite um, possibly could have been a little little darker. Because Guillermo's known for his dark fantasy Mm -hmm. um i would imagine the the we would be able to see the change of the torch you know we would have been able to see the difference between jackson and del toro
0: well but yeah yeah no that's true i mean but at the same time like george lucas directed the original star wars and also didn't he direct like all the prequels I may yeah. be misspeaking here. So, you no, know. No, he did. Direct so them. sometimes having it's, the same person works that's out. True. Sometimes it doesn't. That's true. Sometimes <laughs> one's better than the other. <laughs> and sometimes when it's somebody different, you get a completely new look on it. Like Empire Strikes Back, which George Lucas did not direct, so. And it's the best one of all nine of them. Some would say, I, I think.
1: Yes. So cool little battle with the trolls, we get the legendary moment where Gandalf shows up, strikes the rock, the sun shows they're frozen in stone um, then we uh, we move on we're walking again and we, we, we get into their cave and we find the swords mm-hmm. three of the swords uh, uh, made by elves of in the first age of Valinor uh, so these are legendary blades uh, well, two of them are. Mm. Um, one becomes legendary. Uh, we've got Glamdring, the which, foe hammer, the foe hammer, which Gandalf takes. Mm-hmm. Thorns is called Orcrist. Orcrist, yes, and that's and, the Goblin cleaver. The Goblin cleaver, because he he gets like he gets a name drop in the in the caves soon, mm-hmm. in the the mines. So, then Gandalf comes across Sting. The, not named Sting yet. Not yet. Gives it to Bilbo, and he's like, it'll glow blue and goblins and orcs are around. So keep it. Hopefully you won't have to use Was it. Was
0: it Balin who said, uh, not really sure that it is a sword, more like a letter opener? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's, and uh, he, there's another great quote there that Gandalf gives. And I know he's your, your safety net. You're always like, if Gandalf's around, everything's fine. Yeah. He says, courage is not knowing when to take a life. But knowing when to spare a life, and I'm like, that's so true. And even in today's time, that's beautiful. Like that's courage, knowing when to spare a life, as opposed to taking one life.
0: Just because you can
1: doesn't mean you should. Yeah, It's great. And then we get another wild chase, you know, out of out of the kettle and into the fire, pretty much, uh, because now the wargs are here. Uh, we've, we've ran across, uh, Radagast, and Radagast has, we've gotten a scene with him, you know, seeing the spiders and trying to save the little hedgehog, which I like Radagast. I think he's, he's fun.
0: Yeah, I don't know that I would hang out with Radagast because he has bird poop in his hair. So. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, they say, uh, mm-hmm. and there's five. There are brown,
1: gray, white, and two blue. Mm-hmm. And Gandalf even says, forgotten their names. Mm-hmm. Do we ever
0: hear their names? Uh their names talking? their names exist somewhere in something. Probably the Cimmerillion. They are pretty much unimportant.
1: They're the lowest level.
0: Um, I guess. I don't know how the tiers and yeah. the rankings work. I only know that Saruman's number one. Yeah. Um Number one on the call sheet. Yeah, he's 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 the head of it. Yeah. Uh so I don't know. I can't tell you much about the Blue Dwarves. but I do know they have names. Hmm. And but they're like basically never mentioned. Uh, they never do anything, at least not in The Lord of the Rings.
1: Yeah. So. Or The Hobbit. Or The Hobbit. Maybe in The Cimmerillion they're mentioned. Couldn't tell you. I haven't Oof. done that yet. So, <laughs> yeah. It's on the bucket list. That's a, that's a venture. Yeah. I uh, attempted to open it once. Um, our library at East had it, and... Just in a library day, I found it, and I wasn't going to check it out. I was just kind of looking at it, and I was like, whoa. It's tough. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. I don't
0: even know if I even own a copy of it. Really? I don't yeah. either. Yeah, I've got the audio book of the uh, Children of Hearn. Okay. That's a Tolkien thing. Yeah. Um, but I didn't make it through that either. So.
1: This also, re-watching this has got me excited for the show. Right. Get to see some stuff we've never known about, yeah. unless you've read The Cimmerillion and stuff like that. Uh, it'll be nice. it be mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah, I can't wait. So we get this great warg chase, and, you know, Radagast and his Rascabel rabbits are distracting them while the company is trying to find ways, and it looks kind of like Rohan, where they're running around. It looks like a very similar place to where oh, yeah, yeah, in yeah. The Two Towers. They find the Riders of Rohana, yeah. so it could be. Um close to Rohan, I guess.
0: Where they filmed it. Yeah, yeah.
1: could be. Where they filmed Rohan similar. is the same place they filmed this. Yeah. Um So we 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 made a comment about uh the it took four dwarves five minutes to kill this one orc. <laughs> yeah. Like, good God, man, sharpen your blades. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Uh, it was we ridiculous. had had Legolas,
0: you know, there would have been yeah. no no racket at all. Yeah. Boom, boom, done.
1: Boom. So, uh, Gandalf finds kind of a back way into Rivendell, a hidden passage. They take it, pisses Thorin off when he realizes where they're doing, because there's this old feud that pretty much began during his grandfather's days as king. Uh, The elves tell it as the dwarves stole their riches, and the dwarves tell it a different way. They don't say what the way is, but then Thranduil sees Smaug destroying... Airborne doesn't help. And that's why thorn hates elves.
0: Taking Thorin to Rivendell would be like taking a raging racist to the most ethnically diverse yes. city yeah. in the country—New York City. I don't like these people. I don't want to be around these yeah. people. I don't want anything to do with them or yeah. even think about it. Yeah. And uh, Gandalf's like, "Well, sorry, suck it sorry. up." Sorry. They saved us, and that's a safe
1: place. And Elrond can read this.
0: Do you notice how, in the beginning, when Thorin first shows up, Gandalf is sort of just like—he seems a little nervous about him being there. Like, oh, he's here, and, and what's going to happen? And he kind of jokes with him. He laughs with him when he makes a joke about Bilbo being the looking like a grocer <laughs> instead of a burglar. He's like, oh yeah, whatever. Uh, He's, he seems odd, like his attitude with him is different than as we go along when he yeah. gets a little more, able. like you know, you couldn't wish for a finer blade, Yeah. you know, put your your bias of the elves yeah. aside and just take the sword, put your pride aside. He gets pissed at, at him at of the, the farm and walks away.
1: Yeah. And, and then he's just like, you know what, suck it up, we're going to Rivendell. Yeah. And it's a beautiful, and I remember we stopped it for a second, and I was like, this looks like illustration from the book. Mm-hmm. The way the dwarves are standing on the hill, and you just see Rivendell, and it looks very classic illustration.
0: And Peter Jackson is one to do those really wide Mm. shots with, you know, something out in the background, and you've got your your heroes in the forefront. Mm. Um, And I love that. My absolute favorite, favorite thing, image from the Fellowship of the Ring, is like the silhouette of all of them walking, you know? Mm-hmm. I love stuff like
1: that. And, I mean, he does it so much in the ori- original trilogy. Aragorn on the hill with Helm's Deep in the background. Yeah. Gandalf and Pippin with Minas Tirith in the background. You know, S- Sam and Frodo with Mount Doom in the background.
0: Saruman and, and Wormtongue standing on top of Orthanc with all the army in front yes. of them.
1: He's, he's That's his shot. That's his, you know. Yeah. Just like Tarantino has a certain shot that's in every movie. You know, uh, Scorsese. Name a director. They all have that go-to
0: Little signature shot. thing. Yes, it's their signature. Tarantino's like always mentioned in Knoxville or East Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. Zack Snyder why. does like the uh, uh, slow mo,
1: slow mo thing. Too much. Yeah, honestly, but it's his calling card. <laughs> uh, so we get to Rivendell. And it's beautiful. It's supposed to be safe, and um, it's it's extremely interesting. Uh, feeling that it brings to this movie, because we know Elrond from the trilogy, and we get to see a different Elrond, younger, 60 years younger, and uh, it's a very, very interesting um, moment.
0: Another one who has not aged no. in the 10 years or Hugo so weaving since uh, they filmed uh, The Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was excited to see so many of those familiar faces. Yes, like it—it it added so much uh, the, so much of the, of the connection between mm-hmm. the two. Those familiar faces that you knew from the movies before. Like, if you didn't know this story already of the Hobbit, like you didn't read the book before, you didn't know much about it. Yeah. You were a Lord of the Rings fan. You're gonna be yeah. stoked to see yeah. Elrond and Galadriel and, and Sauron and, and all those people. Yeah. So
1: we are in Rivendell.
0: Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. Now I'm JVD. We're your hosts of the fictional battle podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villains of Man. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds
1: against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you.
0: New episodes drop every Friday
1: wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, or over on thevillainsdemand.com. When thinking of Rivendell and The Hobbit, what is... Because I I told you multiple times, I've been calling out when this is extended. Mm. And there's a lot of extended stuff in Rivendell alone that was not in a theatrical release. A lot. So, instead of going deep into every moment, because, you know, we we could be here forever talking about just the first Hobbit... um, what are some of the moments that stick out to you?
0: Um, well, I love that they went so in depth with, you know, Bilbo taking his little tour around Rivendell mm-hmm. because Rivendell is a really special and important place to him. And we know that later on when he's older, because he wants to go back and stay there. You know, mm-hmm. he's basically like retiring, leaving the Shire forever, and he's going to go there to live out the rest of his days. So it's an important place to him. So, taking the time to see him wandering around and take it all in. And he said it's the first time that he's smiled since he left home. Yes. Since, I mean, really, he's not been too happy since we've seen yep. him from the start. So, this, he's, like, truly happy here. He's mm-hmm. smiling and, just, you know, taking it all in. So, that that stood out a lot to me. Um, I, I I love the fact that we get to see familiar faces. Galadriel, Saruman, yes. Elrond. Yes. All of them. Um. And, you know, another part of an extended
1: cut is Elrond offering Bilbo then.
0: Oh, yeah. Stay here. You can stay here as long as you like. If you want want to. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, You know, you talked about the familiar faces. We see kind of this council happen. A lot of councils happen in in Rivendell. That's the place for councils to happen. Yeah. Nice Um, meeting place. And... Saruman's there, and I made a joke that (laughs) Saruman is really anti-drugs, yeah, anti-enjoyment. You know, he in Lord of the Rings twice makes a comment about Gandalf being obsessed with Old Toby, the halfling leaf. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then he he talks crap about Radagast and his eating mushrooms. Mm -hmm. He's obsessed with mushrooms. He is like, ugh, these druggies and their their addictions and they're crazy. So he's very like anti. I mean, I'm anti drugs too. You know, <laughs> to... I'm not trying to say like, man, what a downer! Like, you should be able to do heroin and LSD, man. <laughs> you know, I'm not like that. But like, it's just funny that a lot he he's got lines in both franchises that are like, ugh. Yeah, no nonsense. Yeah, and and Saruman. we
0: also talked. You know, he's he's good here. He's a good guy. Yeah, you said, uh, do you think that he's already kind of working with, with Sauron? Now, technically, I, I don't know, yes or no, either way, mm. but I feel like probably not. I think that Galadriel would have picked up on it mm. or, or something like that because, you know, she was, we never see them interact in, in Lord of the Rings. She's far away from it. Yeah. She's got that telepathy thing going on. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, you know, if she can read Gandalf's mind. She can probably she reads frodo's mind and she speaks to all of them in their heads probably she could pick up on it Mm. if he was up to some shady shenanigans
1: so but we we get this cool moment of them bringing out the morgul blade Mm -hmm. talking about how is this possible this shouldn't be here this was buried with the witch king of angmar hundreds of years ago when he fell after Sauron fell, you know, and it was buried with him, and there's no way this could have seen the light of
0: day. Buried in a tomb so uh, yes, so, so deep. deep and dark that yeah. uh, sun the that light the, never shone the light, there again. Yeah, or something and on. so
1: it's impossible for this to to be on our plane of existence, and I think that that just goes to show that how even in this moment, like he's got this quest with the dwarves going on and he wants to help them, you know, the line of Doran reclaim their homeland, but then this this literally is laid in their lap like, uh so should we talk about this? Because dwarves aside, this shouldn't be here. And I feel like something's going on. And all Saruman's doing is, you're freaking out over nothing. The Necromancer's just a man yeah. playing with dark magic. This, this really should... This just happens to Trying be to here. throw him off the scene. You know, start, stop freaking out, Gandalf. You always freak out over needless things. You
0: know, that would make sense. We, we play a game in my uh, theater class called Mafia, which I mm. found out it's basically like Among Us, which I never played anything with Among Us, but... Well, Mafia was like the
1: 90s precursor to yeah. what they created like, what you send
0: in a circle and you yeah. know you pick like two killers and a, a detective and a doctor and mm-hmm. everybody puts their heads down they go to sleep and then they wake up and I narrate this little story like here's what happened oh these people died yeah and they try to guess who the killer is and so if somebody gets put on trial and they're actually the killer it's their yeah. job to be like no no come on here's what was really happening oh you'd be crazy so that's kind of like if he yeah. was working for Sauron at that time he would obviously try to be like no you know yeah Send them away from those thoughts. Yeah, so that's you know I I see why you think that. Yeah, it's it just sense.
1: interesting, and this was, you know,
0: maybe that's what they're trying to allude to. Maybe that's what they're trying to hint to. You know, could be. Could it could be. be. I just think in the in the the lore, yeah, it wasn't a thing yet. He wasn't. He was still kind I don't of know. a. I and really even for sure. even for a good guy, he's still kind of a just a
1: doucher. Mm-hmm. Like. He talks down to Gandalf. and yeah. He's a real of, fun guy. You know, in front of his friends. Like, if our Gandalf would be like, really?
0: Do not can- speak to me of Radagast the Brown. He's a foolish fellow.
1: Obsessed with mushrooms. Yeah. But we, we get this cute moment, and I even asked you, I said, do you think Galadriel and Gandalf were a thing <laughs> like in the Second Age? Because there's this... They eye each other.
0: A little chemistry there, huh? There's
1: chemistry. They eye each other. She holds his hand, and he kind of reaches for her, and he's
0: just... Basically, anyone who looks upon her falls in love with her immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, that's basically yeah. a fact. you know? Yeah,
1: because at the end of the day, she's this angelic entity as well. Yeah. Just like him, yeah. embodying an old man. Um, but we get so much extended... In the extended stuff, we get that they're... Jumping in the fountains Oh, nude. the naked dwarves. The naked dwarves. They're they are singing and dancing. At, an extra song. An extra song at, at dinner. And, and Bilbo's touring Rivendell. And we even get to see Narsil, Uh The Shads of Narsil.
0: The moment where, uh, was it Keeley? He was like, yeah. oh, yeah, I don't think I would like the uh, elven maidens. You know, yeah. their, their creamy skin and all this stuff. And he's looking at one of them. And then they say, "Oh, that's that's not an elf." He's made. like,
1: "That one's not too bad, though." Yeah, Dwalin's that like, "That's not an elf and maiden." He
0: turns around and it's a fellow playing the harp. <laughs> Speaking of elves, uh, here's a nice fun fact for you. Mm-hmm. Learn this. Remember, there, there's a like the first elf that they talked to there when they got to Rivendell. Gandalf says, "Oh, Lind- Lindir." Yeah, Lindir. Something like that. Okay. That guy's actually a big deal in the Lord of the Rings fan base. I had no idea. Well, I know he's so,
1: in the trilogy. The he, uh, he is.
0: He is in the original... Um I guess it was Two Towers. Maybe it was... Lady Alwyn. No, it was Return of the King, I think. Wasn't yeah. It? Lady Alwyn. Isn't it when she sees the... Im, the, the image of the boy. The, yeah. Her son. So, yeah, that's the same guy. Mm-hmm. And the fans gave him a name like Fitwig or Fenwig or something like that. Yeah. It's a thing. He's got a Wikipedia page. Wow. But he's he's a bigger deal than even that. So, yeah, he was in the originals. And actually, I think he had two roles in the original. I can't remember the other one. But he did that, and then he did one other one. He was at the Council of Elrond. Yes. When everybody was arguing, and then Frodo was like, I ah, will take it, and everybody turns around, and you see different people turning. He was one of those guys, too. So, anyway, he's actually a really big deal... Uh, even outside of Lord of the Rings his real name is Brett McKenzie and he is known for being part of the uh, duo Flight of the Concords That's Brett Yes <sighs> Brett Brett Britt He goes by Brit. Brett Brit. Yeah, Brett McKenzie That's
1: oh my god
0: also, he was the music supervisor on both of the uh, Muppet movies that came out over the last ten years or so.
1: Hey, Britt. Hey, Jermaine.
0: Yep. My God. How about that?
1: He looks so different as an elf. As a, a lovely, tall, statuous Al- Rivendell elf.
0: Allegedly, it's him. Wow. So how about that?
1: Look at his face now, yeah. Very familiar. There you go. That's crazy, man. That's crazy stuff. I love it when I blow you my I know. Those are my favorite (laughs) times. That glass-shattering moment from How Much Mother. (laughs) You can hear the glass break. So, great moments in Rivendell. uh, Where then, during the council, you know, uh, Galadriel reads Gandalf's mind. and She's like, they've gone. And you knew that. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I did. I did know. <laughs> this is all kind of been a distraction. <laughs> and so they're running along and they are they come upon these this this fight. They think they're walking through the mountains and it's a storm going on and uh Dvalin's like or Ballin's like, This isn't a thunderstorm. It's a thunder fight. Stone giants. Stone giants. Three way stone giant fight. <laughs> throwing rocks and headbutting each other and there are a few times you think we've lost some of the company like they've either died or been squished uh, and they wind up in this cave you know and they're like we'll camp out here no fires and um, well, this after,
0: is... after yet another time that Thorin talks about how Bilbo so out of place Doesn't and belong. shouldn't be yeah. there and he's been lost ever since yeah. he left his garden mm-hmm. just saying Thorin's a real he's a
1: winner Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, we get the um, the moment with Bofor and Bilbo, where Bilbo's leaving. And he even says something a little hurtful. He's like, you don't have a home. You don't understand. Mm-hmm. And he's very apologetic. And Bofer's like, you know what? No, you're right. We don't belong anywhere. Maybe you should go. Uh, I wish you luck. You know, Be safe. And Thorne's overhearing all this. And then all hell breaks loose again. <laughs> they drop down. Through like what looks like a trap door, door, Mm -hmm. and they're in Goblin Town. Uh, What looks like something out of um, the Did you ever watch the cartoon movie when we were kids, The Princess and the Goblin? No, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I remember it uh, pretty pretty vividly. Um, Or or like something in the labyrinth. Like there's you know thousands of these things, and then there's the Grand Goblin. And he's singing and one of the first song is part of, is extended. I feel the song coming on. Oh yeah. That's extended. Yeah. His second song he sang, that's actually in the theatrical. Yeah. But, uh, we get this cool moment. They feel where Bilbo just kind of stops moving with the dwarves and the, the goblins just kind of pass him by. Kind of like Gandalf says, you know, you'd be surprised. Uh, how many people walk through life not noticing hobbits? Mm-hmm. And so Bilbo just kind of stops in his tracks and ducks a little bit, and they just go right past him. They don't realize that, oh, hey, we have a straggler. Um, and he gets in a little tussle with the goblin, and we get the, the riddles
0: in the dark. Riddles scene. in the dark, probably, I would say, like the most iconic, most mm-hmm. important. A uh, moment from The Hobbit. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. The, the little game with Gollum and Bilbo finding the ring. this is the moment that Gandalf was talking there about. There is no Lord of the Rings without this moment.
1: Exactly. And like we, we alluded to earlier, we said we thought that, you know, Gandalf thought, knew that it had to be Bilbo. Mm-hmm. For some reason, Yeah, he has to go on this journey. And he doesn't know
0: why. This is the moment. That's it. This is what he felt. This was the first thing that was filmed... For this trilogy, that's great. Uh, this was day day one because Andy Serkis uh, served as the second unit director. Yeah. So what they decided to do was get all of his stuff done right away because this is the only time we see Gollum in the Hobbit trilogy. Mm-hmm. Get his stuff out of the way. They did it over like thirteen days, I think, and um, then uh, he could they, focus on he could move on behind to the scenes stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that was uh, Bilbo's first day and Gollum's first day on set.
1: Wow. And this is, you know, a very popular chapter in the book, actually titled Riddles of the Dark, in the dark. And the riddles are fun, and the way that Circus plays this with uh, Freeman, it's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Maddie's favorite line in the movie, probably this fran- this trilogy, uh, is when he's talking about... Uh,
0: 30, white horses 30 white horses on a, horses a red hill. stamped they champ, then they stamped then they stand still. Yeah,
1: and he goes, Teeth! Uh, uh, and she she cracks up, she giggles every time she even... She'll quote it, she'll go, teeth. <laughs> it's her favorite part. Um, so, uh, we get that iconic moment where the ring is lost and it's in Bilbo's pocket and he spares Gollum's life. Kind of an, alluding to what Gandalf said to him earlier. You know, courage is not knowing when to take a life, but knowing when to spare one. Right. And he took pity pity is what stayed bilbo's hand um so flash sideways into goblin town gandalf has showed up to save them and there's this massive chase and yeah. this massive
0: fight and you you made a comment about what the heck man? yeah so like they're in deep doo-doo and all yeah. of a sudden boom this big it was like a hurricane just flew mm. right through stand back there's a hurricane coming through, <laughs> and its name is gandalf and it's like, why didn't he just do this all the other billions of times that they have been in trouble? Is this like a one and done spell, Gandalf? Like, what's the problem here? Do you need Do you need more uh, stamina, mana? Yeah, you know, like a little mana, the blue potion. <laughs> because this, like, when in Fellowship of the Ring, when they're in Moria and all the goblins swarm around right before they figure out that the dang uh, Balrog. Uh, Balrog is yeah. coming. Why didn't he do it there? Yeah. That same little spill. I don't know. Jinx. <laughs> anyway. Um, so,
1: speaking of Balrog, to to tangent a little bit, did you know that everyone who's ever fought a Balrog has died? Like, it's, it's part of the whole thing. Because uh, I believe... Kela Brimborn also fought one and died and returned from
0: the dead. From the games? The Shadow of Border games?
1: No, the just the lore, the Cimerole and the story, the Oh, I'm I don't know. Pretty don't, sure four people that. have fought a Balrog. They've all died and they've all come back. It's kinda like this uh. let this stages. It's like a I don't know. I I read a little bit into it and I also heard uh uh, who was it that came on Friendship Onion? Uh, the The talk show host that's a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Oh, Stephen Colbert. Stephen Colbert. He talked a little bit about it about the lore of the oh, Balrog. He
0: really knows his stuff. It's insane. What like he, knows. he, it's scary. Puts me to shame big yeah.
1: time. It's terrifying how much he knows. Yeah. Um, but back to the Hobbit. Um, so you know they run out we get more about both for fat jokes and rolling bomber, bomber, bomber whatever and uh, they get out safe and and we're in the wilderness again and out of the frying pan and into the fire azog shows up
0: sure sure
1: and his his war riders runs them up the trees which if i am remembering correctly isn't there also a moment like this in the Fellowship of the Ring book?
0: Not that I recall. Because I, mean, I know there's the
1: Barrowites.
0: In, yeah, and they don't hide something in, else in trees or anything. Um, I mean, nothing's coming to mind. Doesn't mean that it's not so. But I mean, this moment in particular is straight from very the, straight the from Hobbit. the book. Yeah, and um, in the book, I think he had different colors of fire. Yeah, on the acorns. I may be making that up, but I seem to recall that. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. So fires everywhere. Gandalf's using, you know, the fire of Honor to get acorns and pine cone bombs, and they're all throwing them. And tree begins to fall, and we get that scene that we also get in Fellowship, and Return of the King, the moth that Gandalf speaks to. Mm-hmm. To go get Gua here, basically. Um,
0: I don't know if they're. I, I can't tell if they're trying to link that to Radagast or not, but I'm pretty sure that in the books, Radagast is the one who got the Eagles hooked up with coming to get Gandalf. From mm-hmm. I think, I think, yeah, that he's involved with that. So I don't know if the little moths are supposed to be connected to Radagast or not. It could be. I'm not sure.
1: I mean, he speaks to bugs.
0: But, considering he was in the movie... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um,
1: Then we get this, you know... This moment where we think that, you know, if you hadn't seen this, if you hadn't read it... You think that Azog's already about to kill Thorne. Scary fight. Azog beats the living daylights out of Thorne. And Bilbo jumps in to save him. Mm -hmm. Kills his first orc. Mm -hmm. And... A fight ensues, another fight, and just when it looks at its bleakest, the eagles show up and save everybody, Mm -hmm. and take them to this this rock, and we get the end scene. Thorin apologizes to Bilbo. Uh, The company is together again, and safe, and they can see in the
0: distance uh, the lonely mountain. So we need to keep track over the course of the trilogy here. How many times Bilbo saves the dwarves? Mm-hmm. Okay, should we count the time with the trolls and the uh, when Gandalf shows up? Because really, Gandalf's the one that saved him. But Bilbo, but Bilbo saw called. him
1: and stalled. So that's one.
0: That's one. Um, two. He stands up uh, and defends Thorin. Mm-hmm. So I guess we can count that as two. Yeah, what you say. Alright, so two so far. Yeah. And we'll keep track until the end how many times he steps in and saves them after they've doubted him so much. Yeah. How many times is Bilbo the one to step forward yeah. and do what needs to be done? So, two. We'll have to remember that. Absolutely. So, that's
1: two. And uh, we get what, you know, uh, we wouldn't call it a post-credit scene, but an end of the sh- of the of the movie that... The audience sees happening, but the company doesn't see. It's, uh, we're flashing it. This thrush flies all the way to Erebor, and he starts knocking. The thrush knocks on the wall, and it flashes in. And there's all this gold, like Scrooge McDuck's vault gold. <laughs> and you don't see anything yet, but all of a sudden, a snort and blows gold off, and it kind of runs off his face, and you just see the nostril and the eye of Smaug opens up.
0: Kind of like Jaws. You don't see him yeah. pretty much the whole time, and it builds the suspense and makes you want to see him mm-hmm. that much more. makes him that much more intimidating, right?
1: But you know why they did it that way?
0: Um, probably because they didn't have the technology that he wanted. Oh, he to... hated it.
1: Yeah, He hated the shark. So what turned out to be a mistake became one of the scariest shark movies, you know, what painted, paved the way for the genre. Yeah. And... That is what makes it so dadgum terrifying, as you don't see, and your exactly. mind plays
0: games. And that's the idea with small Yeah, you know, you want because even see it. in the
1: beginning, you see like a tail, yep. you see a wing, they you keep see him, fire uh, hidden. Yeah, so until he talks with Bilbo in the next movie.
0: Yep,
1: I liked it. I liked it. So that's the Hobbit, an unexpected journey.
0: Yeah, and uh, this first installment was nominated. For Best Visual Effects, Best Production Design, and Best Makeup and Hair. Nice. Oh, I which what, 13 they, dwarves. They had to do a lot of that. Yeah. So. Um, I guess, they, they didn't win the award, so yeah. I don't know what beat them, but they definitely deserve to be in the running of anything like that. Best Visual Effects, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, I can see that too. So, yeah, great movie, um... I think we alluded earlier about how uh, you know it's not quite as magical to us as the other trilogy. Something's missing. Something there's something about it missing. There's something wrong with them. I would say no. There's a little more dependence on CG, whereas the uh, previous trilogy was more practical, uh, which I seem to like better. I feel like a lot of people do. I also think that the
1: stakes are totally lower, like. The main journey, for the most part, is trying to get the dwarves to Erebor. The main journey of Lord of the Rings is destroying the scariest, most dangerous power on the earth. To save the world. To save the world before the darkest villain in literature at the time could find it. These stakes don't really raise until the last 40 minutes of the third movie. Other than that, it's let's just, you know, get to well, the. I mean, Smaug is is high stakes,
0: but in a different way, the stakes are pretty high in Two Towers when you got an army of ten thousand Ur- yes. Earth guy leading up on this, you know, yeah, kingdom of however many couple hundred, you know, farmers and stuff. Oh yeah, those are pretty high stakes.
1: But I feel like in Lord of the Rings, it was world ending. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It was just higher stakes. Uh, the Fellowship is smaller than this company.
0: Yeah, you get to know those characters a lot better, yeah. and with the dwarves, like we've already kind of talked about, it's
1: so hard to tell which ones which. Very I'm, few of them have long, a lot, numerous lines. I, I don't think. think Bomber says Bomber anything. doesn't speak. Uh, Oin says two or three lines. Owen's
0: and... the is he the one with the the ear trumpet no, thing?
1: That's uh... oh, that is Owen. Yeah, Ori. Is gray-haired. Yep. And, no. No. Ori, Ori is... is uh, stab him up as Jackson Up as Jackson. Yeah.
0: And then Nori is... Uh, it's got a fruity bouquet. Yes. Give was a number. Yes. Biffer has the axe in his head, I think.
1: Who speaks old oh, dwarvish. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: Bofur's got the weird hat with the ears. Yes. I like Bofur. Bomber's fat. <laughs> Feeling Keely or young. Yes. Uh... Glowing red hair. Gimli's dad. He's mm-hmm. the one that says... Speaks uh, rarely. What does he say? Does he offer us insults? Uh, yeah. He's um, offering you food. All right. Lead away. Yeah. Is that all of them? Who are we missing? Dwalin and Balin. Dwalin's the muscle. Big, uh, uh, tallest one, I think. And then Balin's the oldest one. Played by Grant McTavish, mm-hmm. Ms. Dwalin. And then uh, there's definitely somebody we're forgetting.
1: There's one who barely speaks... Uh,
0: the one that I met With the, the three Yes He also doesn't speak much nori, nori, nori. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. See like We're having a hard time Figuring like, out which one's which And who's who But we
1: could really drop Like the whole fellowship right Exactly now If we had to so, <laughs> I And mean, you just should get to know them more And yeah. individually And um, They are of different races Throughout the whole fellowship yeah. These are all dwarves yeah. One hobbit and a wizard so it's kind of like, uh, the names run together. Yep. And I exactly. get that that was the joke at first. I mean, that was kind of like the spin that Tolkien was putting is the fun naming, they're all dwarves.
0: And you when know. they're brothers, their names are similar, yeah. Owen Glowin. It's funny, physically. I get the
1: joke that was written in there, but like, for some reason, I've uh, and I think that's a reason that, you know, last week I said if I had to choose how to digest The Hobbit, I would choose the book still to this day. And I feel like the book just did. It's hard. I'm trying to put into words. The book does the company better for me than even the live action does because the live action, I don't care about the company as much. But in the book, I cared about the company. I did. Mm hmm. And I guess it's just because I don't feel
0: connected I don't feel connected. But I'll also say though that a lot of times in the book when the dwarves are saying something, it won't be one individual dwarves. It'll be like, Oh, this uh oh, confiscate this hobbit, the dwarves said. Like the dwarves he would said. it would give like they were all complaining, they hmm. were saying this, they were saying that and it doesn't go specifically to one person. Yeah. You know. Sometimes that happens. Yeah. But a lot of times, a lot of them don't talk. You know, it's like Thorin and Balin, and, Mm -hmm. you know, Bomber talks about, oh, I'm too fat to do this or that or whatever, you know. Yeah. But a lot of times, it's the group quote. Yeah. You know? Like, so. Rabbling. Yeah. So, but I I, I agree. I think I would rather read the book over anything else, too.
1: So, what comes, what sticks out, you are, this is your first time watching it. Get yourself in that mindset. okay Unexpected journey. What grabbed you?
0: Um, just returning to Middle Earth and to a, a world that I love so much. And as we spoke about earlier, like it's just comforting. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember just being excited about that, and I really loved Bilbo. And of course, Gandalf—that's my dude. I was really happy about him, and all the Rivendell stuff was my favorite. I think walking away. Um. I just remember getting in the car with Becky. We went to like the late, probably the midnight because mm. we were Back young. when they used to do this. We were young then. <laughs> and um, this was like 10 years ago. So uh, wow. I remember getting in the car and I talked about the CG thing. I was like, I felt like there was a lot more CG and it kind of looked goofy sometimes. It wasn't as good as the more practical effects. But definitely just excited that you know Middle Earth was back and that there was so much more to look forward to mm. over the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And and now, having only seen them, you know, this one is the one I'm the most familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, the next two movies, especially the third one, it's going to feel pretty fresh to me. Yeah, the so, third one I think I've seen,
1: honestly, twice counting, taking Maddie through it. I saw it once. I
0: saw it once in the theaters, and then in I the saw theater. it once when I got the Blu-ray. And actually, to be honest with you, I had the like the... Theatrical edition first. Mm-hmm. Then I got the extended edition. I don't think I've made it all the way through the extended edition. Goodness. Is the Saruman, Elrond, Galadriel at Weathertop thing in the theatrical cut?
1: You mean at Guldur?
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, no, it was at Almond I think. Wasn't it at Weathertop? No, they don't fight at Weathertop. Weathertop is where Aragorn fights.
1: Yeah. They fight at Guldur, the fortress.
0: Yeah, because Gandalf's you're right. kidnapped. Yeah, I guess you're right.
1: And Galadriel shows up, and
0: why did I think they were at Weathertop? Is it because the uh, Azog was at Weathertop in this one? Yes, that might. be. Azog it.
1: was at Weathertop here in this yeah, one.
0: Maybe that's it.
1: Where he kills the second. But yeah, commander. the big
0: fight though—that's that's, that's yeah, in the theatrical. That's in the, the the theatrical. Okay, okay. So yeah, I don't know what to expect in the third one, and because I've seen it, you know, not many times, I'm not going to know if it was in the regular, yeah. the theatrical, or. I mean, it's still pretty
1: fresh from when I took Maddie through it a few months ago. So, so hopefully you can I'll, pick it up. Hopefully get to pick up, but this will be my third time watching it.
0: So yeah, and and that's where we're going next week. We're yeah. moving on with the trilogy, the, the Desolation of Smaug, and we're watching the extended version. So mm-hmm. if you're following along with us, try to get your hands on the extended. It's it's not on any streaming anywhere, no. so you may have to purchase it if you don't already have it. But I mean,
1: HBO Max is running the entire franchise theatrical though. Yeah. So, if you can't get your hands on the extended, at least if you have HBO Max and you don't have the discs, stream it. We're going to do Desolation of Smaug next week. Uh, I'm excited. Benedict Cumberbatch does a fantastic job as Smaug mm-hmm. with the voiceover. Steals and, the show. Uh, Return of stuff. Legolas. Return of Legolas. Yeah. The introduction of Tariel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thranduil lines. He gets a lot of scenes, sadly.
0: Oh, you don't like Thranduil? doucher oh i, I don't like, like
1: his character i think the actor does Lee it pace. phenomenally but i just can't stand that thranduil
0: yeah he's not really a, a great guy no, he's not a
1: likable guy yeah and we get to meet bard yeah. yeah so
0: a lot to look forward to
1: a lot to look forward and to. and
0: also between now and next time we're going to go to our first live wrestling event and Gosh, since pre pandemic. We, yeah. we can't even really remember the last thing we went to, mm-hmm. but it's been definitely since the pandemic started. So yeah. we're going to go to SmackDown mm-hmm. this week, and uh, we'll report on our adventures uh, on next week's episode. This will be Maddie's first pay per view. Pay per view, the first live event. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh-huh. It's going to be a great yeah. time. In Las Vegas, I don't Tennessee. I think that I've been to SmackDown since it's been on Fox. So I haven't
1: either.
0: They've stepped it up a lot, so we're hoping to see uh, Bianca Belair. I'm sure we mm-hmm. will. Becky. Maybe uh, maybe we'll see Brock Lesnar. Probably. You know, who possibly.
1: Because that knows? match was set for Crown Jewel.
0: Was it? Was that yeah. confirmed? Yeah. Oh boy.
1: Yeah, Crown Jewel.
0: Well, the good thing about that is, though, is that Crown Jewel is going to be a solo uh, pay per view in October. They're not doing anything else. So they can really focus on those stories and not, we're doing a story for our, our pay-per-view, but also here's a little bit of story for the Saudi yeah. Arabia thing. Yeah. So I, that's something. Yeah. That's something.
1: So we will report back. We'll talk SmackDown next week and continue uh, through this franchise with our, long our journey down the road uh, with the Desolation of Smaug. Please send in any thoughts and questions uh, if you have them. Um, talking about the the hobbit trilogy thank you all for tuning in we will be back next week uh in the meantime in between time take care of yourselves uh if you have the ability to please get vaccinated take, think of uh think of the others think of your family think of your friends mask up if you if you aren't uh take care of yourself take care of others and uh just just love everybody nerds just, you know, man. Just... And if
0: you're if you're a young person listening who's into the TikTok, please don't follow the licking trend. Wait, it is the wait. stupidest thing. You don't know about this, no. do you? There's a new thing on TikTok called licking. And it has nothing to do with your tongue. Basically, kids, it starts in the bathrooms. So they go to the bathroom in the school and they steal the uh, soap dispensers. Okay. and apparently that's really funny ah, we stole the soap dispenser and now it's we're taking things from our teacher's desk and from the teacher's room if it's happened to me I haven't noticed it yet but it's becoming a big deal our principals have talked to us about it already like hey be looking out for this you know and I'm thinking eh, they're not going to do that but they could I got some goofy kids so uh yeah, if you're a young like, person listening, don't do that. That's like
1: stupid. The TikTok trend calls it licking. Yeah.
0: Humans call it theft. Yeah. Like. Our principal caught a kid trying to walk out the door with a printer. Like, he almost made it out the door with a printer. And it was a printer that was supposed to be discarded. So, like, it didn't even work. We weren't using it. But, of course, he wasn't going to tell people that. Like, oh, look what I you know, took off of somebody's desk or whatever. So yeah, he got caught. Good lord! And so, definitely, you know, if you you're not careful, it can be considered vandalism in some yes. cases. So, make smart choices. Just Please. in case you're you're one of my people listening, you know better. You know what to do. And that's not it. So yeah. <laughs> tell your friends because Mister D said so. Exactly. That's the bottom line. What? What?
1: <laughs> All right, nerds. Thank you for tuning in. For the Doctor of Nerdonomics, Josh Davis, I am the Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack. Cheers to your nerds.
0: Hey, nerds. This is Beth Crowley, and you're listening to the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. with matching insatiable hearts and I knew that one day we'd take this too far my misgivings fade into nothing when I touch your skin and feel your
1: heart beat next to mine I'm not living
0: if I don't have